You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Randy. And this is Jasper. We watched two movies and they were okay. <laughs> okay. Is that like a is that like a median medium balance? Yeah, yeah. Between yeah. them or like an average? They're okay. They're okay. They're okay. So this episode, we're going to discuss, you know, it's going to get lawful. Lawful. We're going to... Bringing down justice. <laughs> yeah. We're going to discuss the 1987 movie RoboCop. And the 1995 version of Judge Dredd. Yeah. Judge Dredd. Judge Sylvester Stallone Dredd. <laughs> Not Dredd. Don't be confused. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess the best way to do this is just to get into it, right? Mm-hmm. You suggested starting with Judge Dredd. Yeah. I think that's a great idea because I have lots to say about it. <laughs> I feel like they're all bad. <laughs> not all bad. No, not all bad. Judge Dredd from 1995. What's that move? What, what is it? What's that about? So according to, to the uh, thing here, the summary, in, in a dystopian future, Joseph Dredd, the most famous judge... A police officer with instant field judiciary powers is convicted for a crime he did not commit and must face his murderous counterpart. Is directed by Danny Cannon, wrote by John Wagner and Carlos Cazera. I think that's how you say it. And it stars Sylvester Stallone, Armand Asante, and Rob Schneider. Mm. Yep. Yes, it does. Also, I think Max von Sydow was in this one. He was. Yes. Which is what his second appearance on Grolic Cinematic Universe yep. so far. Yep, and he did pretty good. I love that guy. Even though he was in this, but he he's in. He, yeah, apparently he'll do some bad movies. But man, I love that guy. But yeah. So what? What was your? I want to hear your review. So <laughs> okay, I've never. Okay, so I I I've only ever watched this. You know, prior to the screening for this episode, I'd, I'd watched it back in the '90s, shortly after it came out. So I'm going to guess it was like 96 maybe because it used to take forever for the movies to hit home video from the theater back in the day. Right. And I remember not thinking much of it even then, which is crazy because I was like prime age for something like this. I was, wait, 96? I was... I would have been eight. 14 maybe? 14, I think. You were eight? Eight or seven. Seven or eight. And I remember not really liking it. And uh, so I was not excited for this rewatch, and I, I didn't like it. But it's not without some merits. Judge Dredd is, I now most people know, mainly because of the movies, this and the newer movie. But it's based on a comic book. And I haven't read a lot of the comic book, but on the Grolix podcast, if I was smart, I would know which episode so people could go listen to it. But actually, go search for Grolix podcast Dread Lip Selfie. How do you look that up myself? <laughs> Dreadlip selfie, man. You're going to see it. If you're following us on Twitter, you're going to see some Dreadlip selfies when this episode comes out. Because any we started that 
we've we've covered two different Judge Dread things on Grolix, and every time I'm like, yes, another excuse to do the Dread Lip selfie because he's always got the lips are. Oh, I'm seeing it over here. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've read a little bit of the comics, and there is some interesting stuff to compare it. You know, when thinking about the comics and the movie, the movie does a pretty good job at conveying the visual style of the comics almost to a fault, I think, because in some of the, at least some of the older 2000 AD comics, um, Judge Dredd comics, and that's mainly what we read for that Grolix episode. We read a bunch of the like really early Judge Dredd stories. The art style often has this like big blocky kind of look, like at least two like uniforms and stuff. A lot of the people were kind of slender, but the uniforms and like objects had big blocky looks. Mm-hmm. And this movie, like the the design, the style of this movie, like it kind of looks ridiculous. But like the motorcycles, you were telling me about some trivia about the motorcycles before. Those things look so impractical because they're huge. They're huge blocky things where it's like if you took the slightest curve. The side of the motorcycle is going to scrape against the ground and flip you off the bike. Like it's, it looked very. Um, the first thing I thought when I saw him was Power Rangers. Yeah, like when the Power yeah. Rangers had the big uh-huh. bikes. God, dude, not practical. There's like no clearance on the sides to to take a turn at all. And that's the the outfits were kind of the same way. Like they look good. They look like Judge Dredd outfits, like the with the big like gold shoulder pieces. But they're so big. Every aspect of the design of that movie. The robots, uh, the machines, the costumes, the city. That's the part of it I actually liked, but everything was so blocky. And it's kind of a strange production. And it made me think of, you said this felt like a, I shouldn't just tell them what you said, but you had told me this felt like you were surprised it was 95 because it felt 80s to you. Yeah. To me, this is very much like a mid-90s like I could see the mid '90s sci-fi movie, sci-fi future movie, because it has that same kind of look as like the Super Mario Brothers movie from the '90s. I feel like I really sidetracked that. Uh, <laughs> wow, I, I didn't like it though. <laughs> it was that was. I'm sorry for that long tirade. Uh, that's like the thing I did like was its ugly, blocky '90s future style. The movie itself is I did not like, but we'll get back to that. Jasper, it's your turn to talk. Yeah, the thing I was also that I was also wondering is how would they fit through doors with like those that big gold eagle like thing on his yeah like how, would huge. he go sideways like sideways in it that'd be hilarious. But yeah, that's like my thing was it was just the impract the was it impracticality? That's not a word. No, yeah, impracticality but. of everything they wore, and then also mm-hmm. with that shoulder piece that he has, they never really say what's what. I mean, they might say in the comics, I never read them. But why do some of them have the big bird, but some of them don't? Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, because you only see him and the other the other judge you see kind of later in the movie. There are the only like two that have it. I didn't realize that. It must be like a rank thing. You know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, just to just it was kind of like it was just hella cheesy. It was kind of it was kind of funny. Like apparently, I also read this in the trivia that um, Sylvester Stallone thought this was a comedy. And wasn't supposed to be an action film, so he actually turned it. Was trying to make jokes in the in the movie that I can see that in his performance. Actually, yeah, that explains some stuff. Although, and also, I don't blame him for thinking it's a comedy because most of the movie he's saddled with freaking Rob Schneider. I and I I think that's what they say in trivia too is that um, is because he thought since being 
put on cast with Rob Schneider. And Rob Schneider's in almost every comedy movie you watched in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I also kind of think they did that, too, because they couldn't really practically use the bikes, how the bike malfunctions. Yeah, oh, yeah. They can't use it. Uh-huh. I was like, I wonder if that's because, like, they're like, we made this big thing, and it can't, we can't use it in any shot. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was a, a crazy movie. So I will say the one thing they got right was kind of in the middle of the movie was the chase scene. I felt it, on the flying bike. Yeah, that okay. felt intense. It was good, but yeah, you could tell it was nineties. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So if you've never seen it, it's it's Judge Dredd. It's Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd. Most of the movie, he's tied up, not literally, but he's he's accompanied by Rob Schneider for whatever reason, just doing Rob Schneider's attempt at the worst, most annoying comedy, like. He's the comedy sidekick, what, what the comic relief. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, the filmmakers felt that like he had to be in every scene possible. And if he was in the scene, he had to be talking nonstop. Nonstop. That bike, the chase scene you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Like you could tell like the, the compositing and the effects are kind of dated. You know, it looks very 90s. But I thought it was pretty cool. Except Rob Snyder's on the back of that motorcycle Non-stop talking. He won't shut up. He won't stop talking for half a second. Like, it ruins it. It ruins the whole thing where it's like, if this this could be thrilling, if we didn't have Rob Schneider making a joke about how he crapped his pants two seconds ago. Like, why do we need this? It's so bad. Like, I feel like the movie could have been, it would have been cheesy because it's not all just Rob Schneider. As soon as Sylvester comes onto the scene, that's when I knew. I was like, oh, oh, that's that's right. That's why this movie sucks. Because at first you don't really know. You're like, okay, well, it could be it, you know, whatever. It's kind of cheesy. They just got a big budget. Like they put some, there's some production going on here. And then Sylvester shows up. The music is the biggest cheese ball, like hero music. Like he just shows up, gets off the bike and stands there while there's gunfire everywhere. Just standing there. Like, like he's not going to get shot because they're at 300 yards. The lethal round would be 250 yards. Walks just up, yeah. standing there and everybody's like oh judge dreads here and it's i was like oh no and that's that's why the movie is terrible because it's super cheesy it's super cheesy how many times how many times do you say i knew you were gonna say that that's another thing where did that come from mm-hmm. like the i am the law like that i get that's a judge dread thing that cheesy it feels like it belonged I could this that's why I say I could believe he thought he was in a comedy because that seems like a cheesy 80s or 90s comedy or even romantic comedy thing where you give the main characters like that this one line that it repeats all the time and ho oh, oh, ho it's so funny and it's I knew you were going to say that. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, so like the, what I was pointing out earlier is it says in later interviews Sylvester Stallone said he felt the film was supposed to be a comedy action film and demanded rewrites re- re- to make it even more comedic. The director and screenwriter, however, had intended a darker, more satirical approach which led to many difficulties behind the scenes. Sylvester's to blame? Yeah. Also said director Danny Cannon was was so disheartened over his constant creative disputes with Sylvester Stallone that he swore he would never work, never again work with another big-name actor. He also claimed that the final version was completely different from the script due to the changes Stallone demanded. Wow. I'm really curious of what the original script is. I wonder if that's out there. It's got to be, right? That's what I would think. So that's really interesting um, because several times throughout the movie, I thought this could almost be like a really decent movie. The story itself is still cheesy. It still builds up to a a climactic fight where somebody's hanging off a high thing, which Mm. is as we watch more movies, it's going to become 
an obvious reoccurring theme where it's always got to be somebody's dangling from a, the top of a building or something like that's the big climactic fight scene in a lot of these. But if the tone, like the production's decent, you get Rob Schneider out of there altogether. Get him out of there. He doesn't need to be in there. Tone down the cheese. Like it, I, there could be something decent there. Mm-hmm. We don't need the cheese. We don't need the love interest aspect. I felt like that wasn't needed. It wasn't needed. Well, it's needed because all the movies need that, you know, but it's not needed. And that's one thing that like, not to compare or bring up the newer Dread, but that's one, that's part of the reason I was so impressed with Dread. Was that 2014 or something that came out? Yeah, I think so. Because, because his, his, I forget her name offhand. It's his partner and she's from the comics. And I was so like watching Dread, I was like, I know her name was Hershey in the movie. Okay. It was Hershey. Okay. Okay. In the newer movie, they didn't do this. They didn't try to push any kind of love story because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit in a dread. He's a natural born killer. (laughs) He just kills and goes. Yeah. Um, And this, of course, they had to push that. They had to push that. I actually, he's cheesy. He hams it up. I'm very disappointed to hear that Sylvester's part of the reason the tone of this movie sucks. (laughs) But I actually kind of like Sylvester in it. I think he, I think he's okay. And did he, he doesn't have, are those, is that his natural eye color? Did you notice that? I know you said you watched kind of a crappy copy of this, but his eyes are like weird crystal blue in this. And I was like, is that really his? I mean, they might be. Although I thought he had like brown eyes. Yeah. I, it doesn't look Dark like, eyes. they didn't look like the, his natural eye color, but they were striking. <laughs> Do you, and what's funny too, you know, who was supposed to, to play Fergie the first time? Fergie. That Fergie is uh, Schneider's character. Oh, okay. Joe Pesci. That would have been just as unbear- unbearable. 90s Joe Pesci doing the comic sidekick. <laughs> oh, that would have been. Also, also says that um, people were upset with this movie because um, Dredd took his helmet off. Yeah, no, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the new movie nailed it. Doesn't take his helmet off once. Awesome. But for me, that's not enough to kill it because... A big 90s blockbuster with an A-lister at the time, Sylvester Stallone, he's going to take his helmet off. They're paying for that face. Yeah, a lot of people are upset about that. The comics, to touch on the comics again, um, a piece of trivia you told me before the show is that Sylvester Stallone didn't know who Judge Dredd was before he accepted the role. That's not surprising to me because Dredd is definitely European or a, or um, like a British comic. It. it and I don't think it was very well known in the States at all before the movies. And even now, if it weren't for the movies, I don't think Dread would have any kind of mainstream like awareness. So that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, because see, the the way I knew, actually, actually the way I knew Judge Dredd when I was little was the game, the Super Nintendo game. Based on this movie. Yeah, which actually says this was the first movie to release simultaneously with a video game. It released simultaneously. Yeah, with with the Judge Dread video game, and that's what we played on Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Was, was was Dread? It kind of gets me too that if he didn't know who Judge Dread is, why did they give him so much creative power? I mean, that comes down to. I mean, I get Stallone. He's a he was a he's a big name. He's mm-hmm. a huge, and you know, mid nineties, he was still a huge name. I think it's a little bit different today because the studio systems. I don't know. In general, movies don't have the same power that they used to because of streaming services and on-demand services and stuff like that. But back in the day, like a star, like, yeah, they could command that kind of control over a movie. And that's where you'll hear a lot of, a lot of those like horror stories 
I don't know, research almost any modern movie where Bruce Willis is in it, and you're going to hear some like crazy crap like that. Another another one, um, a little tidbit of information talking about the creative differences with Stallone. John Wagner, the creator of the comic character on which the film was based, said when interviewed by Empire in 2012, the story had nothing to do with Judge Dredd, and Judge Dredd wasn't really Judge Dredd, even though Stallone was perfect for the part. He did, however, praise the production value and budget of the film. Mm-hmm. In, the, in an interview with Total Film, he said the film had tried to do too much and told the wrong story. Yeah. It sucks, because now, now that you said it, I really wonder what the original script looked like. like Me too, because with... Because again, or did they use the original script in the new one? <laughs> oh, I doubt it. I doubt it because, like, I'm sure the story is not that much different because the new one didn't even touch on because Rico, his brother, mm-hmm. he's like he's the villain in this. That's a big plot line from the comics, and uh, the new one doesn't touch on any of that. The new one's a very small, self-contained story. So I could see that I could see perhaps the plot didn't change much, mainly the tone. And it's that plot applied to a cheesy 90s action movie story structure. Ooh, here's here's a good thing, too. Like, And I can see this is St- Stallone doing this again. Danny Cannon was apparently not allowed on set, on set for the post-production reshoots. The director? Yeah. So that tells me Stallone did a little bit of reshooting himself. I wonder what was reshot. Man. Stallone really... I didn't even know. I just, assumed, <laughs> I just assumed this was just a pile of crap from the beginning but it turns out it's it's one of those like i mean even now a lot of times you hear it more attributed to studio interference in general but like that stuff happens all the time now look at fantastic four stuff like that so i didn't know it was a whole deal like that that kind of makes it more interesting yeah again several times watching this i was like dude if the tone was just slightly different like i love the look of the sets and everything like if the tone was different, this could have actually been pretty cool. Yeah, another. This is kind of funny too. I was going to bring this up when we got to the exhaust vent scene. Okay. Yeah. Um. In an interview, Rob Schneider claimed that the film crew gave Sylvester Stallone extra fire retardant on the back of his costume for the fire exhaust shaft scene. Why, Mister Schneider got no fire retardant at all. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Maybe they're trying to get rid of him. <laughs> well, I got. I've. Oh. I got no love for Rob Schneider. It's not because of this movie. Because I liked him back in the day, in the 90s. You know, yeah. I was a dumb kid, and like he was... Rob Schneider was from my generation of SNL stuff. So I liked him, but even then I was like, dude, he's annoying in this movie. Like, what? There's no... There is, honestly, there's no reason for him to be there. Like, he doesn't even serve up... A lot of times if they'll throw an unnecessary character with the main character, it's so that they have somebody to throw exposition back and forth with mm-hmm. or somebody for the main character to bounce like character development off of. He's, there's just none of that. He's just there. Another little tidbit, too. It's supposed to be directed by the uh, Coen brothers. What? Yeah. Coen brothers were offered the chance to make the film. They turned it down in favor of Fargo. Coincidentally, Max von Sydow's character is named Fargo. That's very wise of them because Fargo... <laughs> right. Fargo, I mean, I think they were, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall how, how well known the Coen brothers were before Fargo, but that skyrocketed them. Yeah. I would love to see what a Coen brothers led Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd movie would be. What could that even be? They said the reason Danny Cannon was chosen to direct, to direct because the producers liked his previous film, The Young Americans in 1993. Yeah. I was going to say, what else has he done? 
that. <laughs> I just really want to know what that movie would look like mm-hmm. with the original script. Original script, Coen Brothers. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no Joe Pesci. What do you think though. of Coen Brothers? What do you think they would have? I can't see them in a million years taking Do you think they would have let Sylvester that? Stallone take over, though, like that? Or would they had enough power then? I don't know. They're such auteurs. Because like, were they big at that time, or were they, were they just coming up? I think they were respected, but I don't think it was till Fargo that they would have really had the kind of power to like really get their say. Fargo was a huge hit. I can't imagine them taking that movie in a million years. It just does not seem like the kind of movie they'd even be interested in at any point in their career. Yeah. Um, star rating. You want to do star ratings on this? Are we ready for yeah. some star yeah. ratings? Let's do it. Now we will judge. We will be the law. Judge Dredd, what, what, do, you, what do you think? What do you give this? I judge it. Two and a half stars. Two and a half? Okay. Two and a half. It was good. Um, it was good in the sense that it was entertaining, but there's just, I almost, just talking about that, there's almost too much Stallone. Too much of Stallone, I would say. Like, just hit him. You know okay, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's just, he put too much, too much of himself in this movie. Okay. It's almost like Judge Rambo. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure, sure. But yeah. Yeah, it's, I'd say 2.5. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would give this, I actually surprised myself with my rating a little bit. It's higher than I expected. I'm going to give this two. I know that's not high. Okay. I thought you were going to say four. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) Six stars. (laughs) No, I'm going to give this two stars because this is a bad movie and I don't like it. So that's why it's not higher. But it is, it does get two stars because with the exception of Rob Schneider, I like the casting. Stallone is a good, he it could potentially be a very good judge dread. He's got the, he's got the dread lip. That's for sure. He's got the face, um, and the build, like he's just a big dude. Not that dread has to be a big dude. The casting of his brother Rico was great as well. I mean, his voice is a little funky, but I'm not, you know, gonna make fun of the dude's voice. His freaking eyes are like, just, yeah. he's a good it, villain. Oh Jesus. He's a good villain. And I could almost buy that. He'd be some kind of blood relation to Stallone. Yeah. Max von Sido. I always like him. And the again, I mentioned it a hundred times already. The production—that's the main thing. The production, the production and the effects. It's so '90s, but I like it. I think it looks good. Um, they obviously had a budget. It's just not a very good movie. It's just they need to tone down the cheese. It's super cheesy. The score's not great because it's just accentuates the cheese. Um, they just, just camps the cheese block and just they camps it over. <laughs> they camped it up too much. They camped it up too much. That's it. And you know, yeah. But two stars. Okay. I respect that. Now I feel like I've given a little bit more, a little bit more than they should have by 2.5. <laughs> okay, for my ratings, 2.5 is not necessarily a good rating, but that is starting to be like, I like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Two is like, ah, I don't really like it. Without getting into this is dog crap. Um, so, yeah, this I didn't really like it. From the mean streets of the futuristic Mega City One to the meaner streets, really, of 1980s Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Robocop from 1987. 87. The year before I was born. Man, Predator, which we talked about last episode, was 87, too. So that was a pretty good year of movies. So yeah. I mean, technically. Right. Like for big, like. Big budget, crazy sci-fi action movies? Yeah, for sure. Robocop. In a violent, near-apocalyptic Detroit, evil corporation Omni Consumer Products wins a contract from the city government to privatize the police force. 
to test their crime-eradicating cyborgs, the company leads street cop Alex Murphy into an armed confrontation with crime lord Brodicker so they can use his body to support their untested RoboCop prototype. But when RoboCop learns of the company's nefarious plans, he turns on his masters. This is written by Michael Miner and Edward Numir, directed by Paul Verhoeven, and stars Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Ronnie Cox, uh, Kurtwood Smith, Miguel Ferrer, Ray Wise. Man, there's a lot of people. I'm just going to stop there. There is a lot of notable people, though. So RoboCop. All right, Jasper, I'm going to kick it to you to start. What what did you think of RoboCop? Have you seen this before? And Okay, now, this one, I remember the same thing with Dread. I remember watching parts of it. Mm-hmm. But RoboCop, I do mostly remember, except the last, I'd probably say, half hour. Mm-hmm. No, I liked this one. I thought it was pretty well written. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing that the scene, the armed conflict scene, that was gruesome. Like where Murphy um gets blown away. Yeah, that was Whoa. whoa. Ooh, buddy. This movie is brutal. But um I, it, I think half of their budget went to blood squibs. <laughs> with the the little gunshot squibs on the people cuz holy crap. <laughs> That dude, I will say, even for not being a cyborg, held up pretty well under um, high amounts of gunfire. <laughs> yep. Especially, like, two shotguns. That dude should have been dead, 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 dead. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, no, it was, it was, like, almost kind of, like, heart-wrenching just to watch that dude get blown away like that. No, and then they did, I wouldn't really say the love interest, but the partnership very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Good call. Because yeah. it's not a love interest. It's more of a partnership. Because he's technically already married. Yeah. I don't know if they divorced after he became RoboCop. Um, they used old cars pretty well. Not like Knight Rider 2000, but <laughs> I I feel like they did. I also like that they never took care. I don't know if they just meant to do that, but when he goes up the ramp twice with the car and it sparks. Sparks. Oh, yeah. He bottoms it out every time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was like, I wonder if they get that in where they just put the ramp too high. They're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> it seemed intentional to where, I mean, I'm sure they're like, when they were trying it out, they were like, whoa. And then they're like, you know what? He does that every time. Gives it that look of speed leaving. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, from, from the point of when he becomes RoboCop to... You know, he did that. That and that was another thing I was going to point out with this movie. Even though it was '80s, he did the robot part very well. Like the like how he turns, like when he comes in rooms and stuff. And like I was for sometimes I was wondering if that was animatronics, but I think that was actually. Him. I think it was him. I yeah, think it was Peter because he did like the like the head turn and everything perfectly. Yeah, I was I was very interested in this one because just going back and actually watching it from front you know front to back, it was it was entertaining. Yeah, I like this a lot. It's been quite a while, not nearly as long as Judge Judge Dread, but it's been quite a while since I've watched it. So I was looking forward to the rewatch, and it's another one of those movies where it's it's so quotable. It's like like since it was it was the same year, I'll compare Predator. For me, it's it's so quotable. There's so many good quotes, and also the pacing. The pacing of this movie is perfect because it doesn't like. It doesn't ever really slow down. It gets it gets going and then just keeps going. Like it it it, it never lulls. And actually, I kind of I remember it lulling more than it actually did. I thought there was a part like when he remembers his his family and stuff. I remember that like when I was younger, being the slow part. But watching it now, do what it's like maybe a four minute sequence. Like it's 
I will, yeah, I will say over over Judge Dread, where it was just like bang, 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 done. Mm-hmm. It was more Robocop was like more thought through. Like it's a quick paced thing, but it's not bang, 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 done. It's like just well paced movie. The thing I have to bring up, I thought about this as soon as you started talking, my bad, was the agony scenes of like where he's like, like doing the whole head like mode. That almost made me just laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> Ooh, after he was RoboCop already? Yeah. Yeah. Like where he's getting shot and then where he's like shutting down. He's like the whole face. Oh my God. <laughs> What's kind of incredible about the movie is so it's not. Okay. So it's Paul Verhoeven and generally his movies aren't super serious. Um, he did Starship Troopers and I had Showgirls, I guess. His movies are usually are usually satirical. And this definitely is when you think about like that just stupid looking show that people are always laughing at in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar and how people are always just hysterically laughing. And it's just the worst entertainment. Everything's kind of heightened. And at one point I would say that this is kind of like an exaggerated take on our world, but it doesn't seem all that exaggerated. But my point is, so it's not entirely a serious movie. That said, the makeup is awesome, but even with the makeup, like this could just, this could have fell on its face so hard and just been goofy, goofy trash. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it embraces the campy aspect to a point, embraces the cheese a little bit, and otherwise sells it. It's, it sells it effectively. Little tidbits here on the movie. Um, the trauma team portrayed in the movie trying to save Murphy was a real hospital trauma team. Their dialogue was mostly ad-libbed. I, interesting. That is very interesting because usually that's just other actors. Mm-hmm. The special effects were generated using a using a Commodore Amiga computer, like Murphy's Vision. Yeah, like yeah, special effects and everything. Like I'm gonna guess the the grid, the computer. Uh, yeah, effects. Yeah, interesting. The repeated line "I'd buy that for a dollar" mm-hmm. comes from Cyril M. Kornblus' short story "The Marching Morons," which presents a similarly cynical view of an over commercialized future that desensitizes to violence and war. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. A radio game show on that short story uses line, I'd buy that for a quarter as a signature phrase. The RoboCop suit was so hot and heavy that Peter Weller was losing three pounds a day from water loss. Eventually, an air conditioner was installed in the suit. (laughs) Wow. Eventually. (laughs) I I believe that. I would believe that because it looks, it's pretty good. Like, it looks good, the suit, the, the whole outfit. Yeah. The makeup. And that's what I was wondering, like, my thing, and it doesn't kind of say here, like I wanted to, so I'm going to guess he was wearing a full body costume. Yeah. And then doing the whole robotic thing, you know. And when in full RoboCop costume, Peter Weller would remain in character between takes, only responding to director Paul Verhoeven's. Is that how you say it? Paul Verhoeven, yeah. Per- Paul Verhoeven's instructions when properly addressed as Robo. <laughs> as Robo? Yeah. Verhoeven found this too funny to take seriously and dropped this after a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, I thought that was hilarious. Here's another good one. Okay, what do you got? 27 years after the movie's release, Detroit did actually file for bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Detroit was hurting already. This movie, like, it's pretty effective commentary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With the privatization of the police force and um, just the, the kind of the companies that are doing these things. Because essentially omni-consumer company or whatever they were called. Like the one guy in there mainly wanted to sell weapons to, they were a weapons contractor. 
but they all also owned the police force. So there's some interesting commentary there. The, okay, so I watched the director's cut, and I don't know what the difference is, but I did not remember there being so much like news, like TV. Like it, the movie starts, at least the version I watched, starts with like five minutes of just TV switching. Like you're watching news, and then it like you're watching commercials, which was pretty entertaining too. Yeah. And it fairly effectively like establishes kind of the futuristic tech that 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 the RoboCop world has because there's the commercial for the different like you can get your heart replaced and mm-hmm. you get the Yamaha version you know the sporty like more luxury and sporty like heart replacements I yeah. thought that was amusing but then all the stuff about I think that also kind of played into like showing you what the future is like where they could make mm-hmm. RoboCop yeah that establishes that a cyborg is a possible thing yeah it's not a, a stretch but also like all this the news reports about like countries in was it in like South America or something nuking each other or in Mexico like there's like a nuclear war going on in Mexico mm-hmm. and then they're like you know so they'll report on that and then just slide over to whatever nonsense news and i just i enjoyed that commentary a bit villains let's talk villains let's talk about red yeah dude i wanted him to say dumb at least once <laughs> at least once he had some good lines too though mm-hmm. he had some you said it you said it to me on the phone yesterday on the phone yeah you said can you fly bobby <laughs> can you fly bobby yeah he has some good lines there's there's lines in here that like i don't even know why they're good but the, the one thing when he i i forget the guy's name but like one of the uh one of the various henchmen type guys the red-headed guy who gets the who gets the toxic waste on him later mm-hmm I guess I should say who gets the that toxic was, waste dunk. That was horrible. That was intense. That, okay. This is a trend I need to stop on these episodes. To watching movies that I watched when I was too young to watch them. That movie messed me up for a long time. That always bothered me. And sitting down for this rewatch, I was kind of dreading it the whole time. <laughs> and it was still as terrible as I remember. Like, it's bothersome. Like, as a kid, did you like see like a trash can, like a bar- trash barrel flip over? You just like, nope, 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 just start running. <laughs> and it's so like, so he gets basically a, a toxic waste dump, but his fate, it's like he's like melting and his fingers are all drooped out and like it's horrible. And he's the sound he makes, ooh, I don't like it. It's good. Like the it makeup was, was amazing, but it's just, ooh. I thought he was just going to be dead when he came out of it, but then he's just like, he should all. No, nope, he should have been. Screwed up. He like explodes when that car oh hits him, basically. The, okay, so the violence is insane in this movie. You already touched on that. But the first boardroom scene where they pull out, what is it, Ed 209? Is that? Yeah, ED 209. I just looked that up. Yeah, Ed 209. They pull him out and he malfunctions and blows that one board member away. Dude, and it's just, bop, 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 just blood squibs just covered his body. And I'm just like, wow. It's that was like here. Let's start off. Let's just start this off with just blood everywhere. Like we're gonna we're gonna fulfill the R rating here. Oh yeah. Let's talk about. Okay, I feel like I'm rapidly jumping from moment to moment. Mm-hmm. So Ed two hundred nine. Mm-hmm. A lot of stop motion stuff. How do you feel that worked? Because you're the guy. You're the you're the you know for an older movie. Blah 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 blah. Now you're that mother. Sorry. You're that. You're that guy. <laughs> you're that guy. And it's obviously stop motion, but I kind of loved it. What did you think? I did did like it. The only thing that I've always realized this in movies and games, and especially video games, why in the world 
Do robots growl like a tiger? Dude. <laughs> Which they they say here is a jaguar. They recorded a jaguar. <laughs> when he... So at one point it falls down the stairs and like lands on it back, its back and can't get up. Mm-hmm. It's squealing like a pig. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And then what they said here too is they actually built a small model and tossed it down the stairs to get that effect. So the... The stop motion good. is when it lands on its back, but it falling down the stairs was an actual model. I just couldn't get over that it was growling, like, because in Metal Gear Solid, the Metal Gear growls, like, dinosaur sounds. I just don't, I never get it. But uh, I think that just kind of adds to because the machine would just make a sound like they kind of try to give it. I thought that was pretty good. I thought they did the stop motion pretty well. Even though I know I'm that guy, but... To watch old graphics like that is kind of cool because, like, to see how they actually basically because they had to make a model like that and then stop, you know, do the stop motion stuff. But I'm a sucker for I like, I like how he's testing the stair. He's like, eh. uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I know that cracked me up. It reminded me, it reminded me of the family guy scene where he's like touching the stair and he goes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm a sucker for stop motion stuff. Like, and I don't think back in the day, I'm sure it was like, you know, it sold an effect, but I don't think in the last many decades it's ever really been effective, but I think it works at at least selling the idea of this thing there. But I'm fascinated by the shots where like, it's obviously like a stop motion miniature composited with live action actors. And I thought a lot of that stuff looked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's such a cool robot. I know he's just like a biped. And at this point, and even then, it wasn't the most original thing. But at this point, like, it's not anything new. But it's such a cool design, I think. And speaking of the design of Robocops, like, one thing I was thinking about is that the design of Robocops interesting in his body for the most part. Yeah, it's a robot. Like, it's okay. But what was really kind of striking about the Robocop design and must have kind of been a pain to wear is no nose in the mask. Like, when he's got the mask piece over his face... There's no, like, nose. It's just flat, and it kind of makes him look less human in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And That's I'm a- sure there was room in there, but, man, his nose ha- would have had been right up against the inside of that thing. I thought they did the the prosthetic or the prosthesis for his head when he takes his helmet off. I thought they did that very well. That was awesome. The makeup, yeah, yeah where it's, like, the hair's gone, and it's just, like, skin up to where it meets the back of the head. Because I got almost the same feeling, like, if if... I almost thought he was animatronic for a second, but it's actually his face. Like, he's still acting in it. It was funny. is people actually had a body count. 30 people died in this movie. Mm-hmm. But, um... 30? Yeah. Another yeah, I guess one, that's a lot. Yeah. Two that I wanted to point out to you. One I know you're going to kind of riff off of. Uh, one, Peter Weller threw the script away when he first got it. Really? Um, his wife was the one that actually pulled it back out of the trash and told him to take the job. Really? Okay. Yeah, she read through the whole thing and told him to to read the last parts of it. Peter Weller? Yep. That's so interesting. So I read some trivia on this the other day. Paul Verhoeven didn't want to do this movie. He wasn't at all interested. And I can't remember the specifics, but his wife convinced him to do the movie. And Thank you, ladies. <laughs> right? Yeah, because this is Peter Weller on my screen here. That's interesting. His wife convinced Paul Verhoeven to do the movie because... Paul Verhoeven wasn't interested. And what got Paul Verhoeven interested was apparently, according to whatever, I can't remember the article, but according to the thing I read the other day, Paul Verhoeven is a 
like a Jesus freak, but not like a religious Jesus freak. He's fascinated by like the story of Jesus. And so he, they, he went about like to make the story of RoboCop kind of a Jesus allegory right. of the death and resurrection. And so I thought that was amusing because it's, it is, it's so like, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't know that. No. Right. Like it's kind of interesting. And especially because it's like, okay, so I can see that now that it's pointed out, but it's so ultra violent and like kind of disgusting but it still has its messages. Like it's right. not just to be ultra violent and disgusting. A dude does get shot in the junk. <laughs> Though. That's, I remember, I was like, he shot him in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude get shot in the junk. I mean, now that you say that too, like they're, the special effects and stuff are amazing for one. But yeah, now I can kind of see that death resurrection type thing that yeah. you're talking about. But this is one I wanted to, t- to tell you was uh, in, two th- in a 2013 interview, Edward Newmeyer, I think that's how you say his name, reflected on how this film script is starting to play into reality. He said, we are now living in a world that I was proposing in RoboCop, how big corporations will take care of us and how they won't. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of what I meant when I was like, you know, at a time this was a pretty exaggerated take on our reality, but that doesn't really seem to be the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for sure. It's it's crazy that I'm even I see that. Usually I'm kind of tuned out of that type of stuff, but... It's crazy almost how some of these future things could almost become real. As long as the Hunger Games doesn't become real, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could be. Katniss. Katniss. Oh, the other thing, too, the tagline for this movie before they would, they threw it out because of fear of litigation, was he was supposed to be, the tagline was supposed to be, he's like Dirty Harry, but with ball bearings. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Oh, man. What do you think about RoboCop himself, the character? I think it was cool to watch him like become to become the robot, even though he really did not give consent to become a robot. Oh, no. But, no, that's... Oh, man. And that's really like... He was put there to die. Like, it's so messed up because he is transferred. Murphy, as a cop, mm-hmm. is transferred from one of the better neighborhoods or whatever to this, as they call it, the war zone. Uh, to this crappy place mm-hmm. based on like in- intentionally so that he will get killed. So they'll have some, a cop to turn into a RoboCop so they can try this out. So that's super crap, super crappy. You get a little sense of it, a little bit of a sense of his um, personality before, but he's not really in it very long before he becomes RoboCop. Mm-hmm. And then as RoboCop, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. He's kind of void of personality until he starts to get it back a little bit towards the end. A little bit of humor. I mentioned the, the a guy gets shot in the junk. That scene, so he's he's stopping a sexual assault in progress. Yep. He shoots through this lady's dress and hits the guy in the, in the crotch. Well, then the lady, and this is like his, is that his first outing or was that the gas I, station? Techni- or He stops I'll, a robbery. Yeah, I think it's the second one. Okay. The second stop on okay. his tour of duty. Yeah. And justice. <laughs> he, so he, he stops the sexual assault the woman runs up to him crying like, oh, thank you, thank you. And what does he say? He's It's so cold. And I just like, love this moment because he's like, a sexual assault can be a very traumatic experience. We have counselors who you could talk to, blah, blah, blah. Something like just very cold, like auto, like machine type response, you know, just like this can be very traumatic for you. We have counselors you can talk to. It like s- sobers her up a little bit because she like 
is a little jarred by it and just like looks at him and steps back. The look on her face is just like, what, what is this? What's yeah, going not, on? And she thought, it was funny too. Cause she just kind of hugs him and like, they, it doesn't really even take into account that she's hugging a robot that just came out of a police car. Yeah. Just like, ah, we have those every day. People are like interested and fascinated. Like the cops are upset obviously because they don't want to be replaced by machines. Although they're not really being replaced by machines. But it's interesting because people are inter- are excited by it, but also, like, they accept it pretty easily in whatever this world is. Like, because if you think about it, if suddenly there was a cyborg robot, it'd be a way, it'd be a pretty big deal. Right. Another thing, too, is actually there, since 1990, since 1990, there have been plans on and off to have Terminator versus RoboCop. Really? Yeah. It says, plans for a Terminator versus RoboCop film have been on and off in the works since 1990. Although no movie has yet to be made with a crossover, several video games and comic books have been released based on the idea, making the project one of the most anticipated crossovers of all time. But we, that was almost this episode. Yeah. That was almost... That That's was, crazy to think. And <laughs> you made the decision, and I think it's fine, I, because I think the pairing we're, we're going to get to in a moment, it works. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was... And maybe that's a little too on the nose, so it's good you you opted for something else. But yeah, that was almost this episode because it seems so seems so obvious, I guess. But what who which Terminator would you use? Like, would it be Arnold? The problem is they've waited too long on this. You'd have to you'd not have that to recast the new people. Yeah, not that Peter Weller is a must, but I didn't see the Robocop remake. I've never watched it. And I have the feeling people would not be as enamored with a Terminator Robocop crossover at this point. If it was one based on modern RoboCop and two, man, Arnold's getting old. Like, I think they've just waited too long for that stuff because you got to have Arnold in it. Mm-hmm. This is also Paul Verhoeven's first American film. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. I can't remember what he made before, but he made something that did well. And so when he came over here, they offered him a couple things. And he had, like I said, he had initially passed on this because they offered him this. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Right. He was not into the idea. So Armin Asante from the last movie uh-huh. auditioned to be RoboCop. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm, I like him as Rico. I don't know if I like him as RoboCop. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been that would have been a crazy one for me. Ratings? I give this one a three and a half stars. Ooh. Um, I liked it. Like I said, it was an engaging story. The only issue kind of had was the last couple minutes of it. Um, I thought the ending the ending was good, but I thought it could be better. Okay. I mean, I thought it could have been a little bit. I kind of just wanted RoboCop to grab him by the throat and just throw him. <laughs> but I think it worked well because, okay, so RoboCop wasn't able to, he couldn't act upon, he couldn't arrest. He had his program not to be able to arrest any of the people that work, you know, the executives that work for the company that made him. Mm-hmm. I liked the bit where the guy who, the last guy that he takes out, who's responsible for his murder essentially. Yeah. Tech one of the guys. There's several guys responsible. Gets fired. Like he's he's holding the guy hostage, the like head guy at the company hostage. RoboCop can't do anything until the guy says, "You're fired." And then he could shoot him. And I just like it's so cheesy, but I liked it. I like how he says that. He goes he goes, "You're fired." He goes, "Thank you." Thank you. Yeah. Shoots <laughs> him. She's like, "I've been waiting. Come on." <laughs> say it, say it, say it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. What's your what's your star rating? Ready for this? Yes. I give RoboCop five stars. This is a five star movie for me. And I actually didn't expect to go five stars when I went into the rewatch. But like I said, 
the pace it's so well paced it's thoroughly entertaining there's so many quotable lines um even the one guy says at one point he's like i like it like that like just it's so good and it's just a simple line the the social commentary is great relevant it is so 80s ultra violent excess yeah it's so 80s excess but also a comment on 80s excess uh yeah just a good movie no, like I said, with, it, it was very entertaining and engaging. Mm-hmm. It was for an 80s movie, you know, because I'm used to all the new CGI and what else, whatnot and stories and MCU. But I, like I said, I thought it was very well. You're going to mention MCU well, every episode? Yes. Maybe. Uh, can I, okay, can I take this moment? <laughs> because editing the last episode, because I, I'm listening to you while we're recording. Uh-huh. But there's some things that don't register with me until I'm editing later when I'm examining every word, you know. Yeah. Podedit.com. I don't remember which movie we're talking about. I think it might have been Predator, but you're like, I like, I like the, you know, I don't know. There wasn't much backstory. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. Wasn't much backstory. You know, that was kind of a con for you. You like the stories. You like the story movies. You know, you're, you're from, you know, from the MCU, the MCU school of thought or whatever. Mm-hmm. You like the story movies. Because you like a series of big blockbuster superhero action movies. That's your that's your <laughs> story movies. You like because you like the modern superhero popcorn flicks. I just I like thought popcorn. it was funny. <laughs> but yeah. If by story movies you mean there's forty different versions of the same origin story. True. And this the a story gets stretched out for five movies. Yeah, those movies have a lot of story. <laughs> I spit all up in my pop filter. <laughs> Okay, no, I'm not really. I see what you're saying because, but you also got to think, and I kind of appreciated RoboCop was a little bit on the longer side, but like a lot of these 80s movies, we've we happened to do several 80s and a couple 90s movies lately, and this is why I always say, like, man, movies seem so long now, even though yeah. the, the the running time seems to be like the general tr- trend seems to be bringing it back down a little bit, but because a lot of these movies are fairly short. And they're boom in there. Tell the story you need to tell. Throw some action at you and get out. Which which is weird with these two because they're almost two hours long. Did not feel it. Yeah, did not feel it. Even Judge Dread, I didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't lull. Because again, say MCU, the Iron Man was like an hour and thirty. I think is that first, all? I think the first it was like two. But that thing, Iron Man one, felt like it took forever to get through. Mm-hmm. Now it's almost the same time, like Robocop and Dread, it was like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which could be bad, but I think these movies have done it well. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. J- Judge Dread is debatable, but Dread even forces a lot of like backstory and world building into it. Mm-hmm. But in ways that feel kind of exposition y, where Robocop doesn't really have that, it uses, it uses the news clips to set up the world pretty quickly. Anyway, was that it? Where, where was I? Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five stars. You said your star rating. You I like it. it. Okay. So do you want to take a break or are we going to move right into it? No, I'm going. We're going right into Oh, this. snap. Because I, I kind of, this one is going to have some serious but also comedic effect. Okay. It's maybe not be great. I feel like I'm hyping it up too much, but. All right. Jasper, the modern RoboCop didn't perform as well for movie studios as they had hoped. But they really, they have that license. Maybe if they could pair it with something that fared a little bit better in a modern market, 
but has an established brand name people might recognize. All they know is they want robots and they want justice. <laughs> justice! They want justice for dinner. How could RoboCop and Judge Dredd, the original movies, be paired together to create the next cinematic universe? So, so let me preface this by saying that I did a little research to the timeline. So, according to this, RoboCop took place in, twenty. they believe, 20... I think it was 2029, 2030. RoboCop? Yeah. But now I looked up an IMDb and it was like way later. But we're going to go with the one I first looked up. I didn't realize RoboCop was really supposed to be that far in the future. Yeah. Judge Dredd was supposed to take place, they believe, between 2039 and 2043. Okay. So we're going to... Dude, you put... Okay. I'm Not to derail. You always put so much thought into like... You're always like, well, what's the time for, timeline of these? Mm-hmm. Way more than anybody who would actually buy these licenses and produce these movies would ever think. <laughs> but I, well, because I had to think of it, it's would important. It, would it be the same? Characters? You, you want it to be good. Yeah. So my setting for my new movie is in 2100. Okay. Okay. Because Robocop would pretty much live forever. You know. Anyway, so the year is 2100. Okay. So after, as Dread ends, so after Dread drives his motorcycle off into the sunset, he heads for a place in the cursed earth. Okay, Detroit. He's heading to Detroit. <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I went Michael Jackson for a moment. When he gets there, he finds out that it has been overran by gangs since the police force went on strike in 2043. Okay. 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 Actually, because I remember Robocop was 2043, and then it was okay. way later. Now most of Detroit is rubble, but he soon finds out that downtown Detroit is still guarded by none other than a robot with a badge. Dredd immediately goes to make contact with the robot and finds out that Murphy has survived all these years thanks to a single-man raid of the Gerber Baby Food Factory on the west side of town in 2050. <laughs> nice detail. <laughs> Dredd meets Robocop and the two exchange formalities and devise a plan to take down the gangs. Dredd wants to find all of them guilty of rioting and destruction of government property and sentence them all to death for being lawbreakers all this time. Robocop wants to put them behind bars, but wants to return the order to the city. Dredd does not like his nicer approach, okay? Because okay. Dredd's a little bit of a badass. Dredd and Robocop know they have to get to the OCP's old headquarters to get more firepower. They get there, and Robocop finds some sentry bots and decides to hack them so he can use them to patrol the streets while the two are busy being them. He loads their guns with only stun bullets and continues on the day. Um, they take back half the city in a week. Dredd has killed most of the gang leaders with, while Robocop has made sure all the arrests have been made with the lower end criminals. This is where this is where this movie takes a dark turn, okay? During one of the raids, Dredd and Robocop are confronted by two boys playing with water guns on the first floor of this oh. of this place, oh, okay? No. Okay. <laughs> one accidentally points his pistol at Dredd and is immediately matched up or snatched up by him, excuse me, not matched up, snatched up by him. And he he tells the kid, You are charged with attempted murder on a peace officer, how do you plea? He goes, I plead not guilty, sir. It's just a water gun. Dredd uses his helmet scanner to determine the, the, the origin of the water. Yeah, with water from Flint, Michigan. It's deadly, son. <laughs> Retaining the social commentary for Robocop. That's pretty good. <laughs> yes. So, so because I believe way of the future, we still won't solve that issue. Anyway. Wow. Dredd proceeds to judge him and shoot him for his crime. Robo voices his concern to Dredd and... Wait, 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 wait. 
So Dread blows the way, the kid away. Yeah, yeah that okay. kid's dead. Okay. <laughs> that kid's dead, dude. Okay. <laughs> Dread is kind of crazy at this point because of all the things that have happened in Dread. <laughs> Robo Robo voices his concern to Dread and knows he doesn't like the criticism. As they are leaving, Robocop notices that his car has been set ablaze. <laughs> so Robocop just proceeds to commandeer another vehicle. For doing that, Dread yells, Grand Theft Auto, minimum 10 years, how do you plead? <laughs> oh, no. Robo, taken aback, pleads not guilty and proceeds to get in the car. Noticing Dread is not playing, he says not guilty. <laughs> okay. As the argument continues, Robo playfully punches Dread in the arm. <laughs> Attempted murder with a deadly weapon, seeing as he has an augmented arm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do this. You can't do this. We're on the same team. Robocop yells at him. I know you would say that. Oh, no. Dread brings the gun up to his face and says into the gun EMP rounds. <laughs> then shoots Robocop dead by multiple EMP rounds, thus overloading his circuits. Come to find out why Robo wasn't looking. He put real bullets in the drones and declares martial law and kills everyone in Detroit. <laughs> then. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> We went, we went far, and I brought it in. <laughs> wow. What do you think of my, my universe? It, it's short-lived, but it does bring the two together. <laughs> I like it. I like I like. I, yeah, you should write these down beforehand, because I like that. That's a, that's a, dude, that's a movie. That's a whole movie right there. Right. Wow. Did not. Dude, there's some twists. Did not see it coming. <laughs> I had it. That took me two and a half hours to write. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I wanted to make sure there was bits and pieces of what was going to go on in the future. I think you just changed the format of the show for the better. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to do the same now. I'm gonna have to start writing these out I, like that. I worked so hard to fit in Flint, Michigan, in there. <laughs> that whole issue. Oh man, that? it made the water gun thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> that made the movie for me. That and how it ends. Holy crap. Nobody will see that coming. Wow. Okay. I totally pictured him too bringing up the gun and going EMP rounds and then <laughs> Jasper did good. <laughs> Jasper did good. Okay. Okay. Well, now I guess I have to go, huh? Okay. So I don't have the specifics. I don't have the specific movie plotted out like that. So how my universe would go, it's a little bit more open-ended. My universe is more about connecting the two universes. So this could still work with yours actually. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it's fairly obvious RoboCop happens before Judge Dredd. On the RoboCop timeline, things turn into Judge Dredd. It's pretty obvious because that's where the law enforcement's going to where they, you know, it's judge, jury, and executioner. But the key piece of evidence for me is Rico's robot. I don't remember, I don't remember what the name, what he called, what does he call that robot in Judge Dredd? Rico, he gets that big robot that was, that were outlawed um, after the wars. I'm trying to think. Those are obviously where the Omni Omnicorp would be end up going if with their Ed two hundred nine and RoboCop designs. You'd end up with a big robot like that. They're going to move away from cyborgs eventually because RoboCop. That's a lot. Of, that's a handful. We follow the war, the cyborg robot war that leads to a uh, Judge Dread world. Murphy does stick around long enough to team up with Dread, and he doesn't age traditionally, but he'll look a little bit more ghetto. He's had to do some custom replacements on some parts, but he'll have an old man face because I want to see an old man face in that in that outfit. I don't know. I'm just going to help fill in when the movie studio comes to me and be like, so we've got this great pitch for RoboCop versus Judge Dredd, but it kind of ends the universe a little early. So 
could you want to come in and fill in some of the like between stuff? I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> it'll be the robot war. <laughs> That'll that's what it'll be. See, that's what that was probably mine is I kind of edited it, but I couldn't get away from how funny that would be. Are these cinematic universes can be one movie. You know, it could just be one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to leave it on yours, man. <laughs> Poor Robo. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you killed him. I kind of wanted to kill Dredd, but I couldn't figure out a, a good way to twist the story. Leaves it open. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I'd watch it in a heartbeat. I laughed so hard to myself, that's kind of lonely. But <laughs> 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 but the but the um, the Gerber baby food rate. That, that was pretty good. That killed me. <laughs> I have a question. Judd, take his helmet off. No. You could conceivably do it with Stallone well, it then. Because it fit in because there's always gunfire in Detroit or Robo. Does but my Robocop thing, take his helmet off? My thing is I want to kind of say that he never put it back on. <laughs> Robocop? Yeah. Right? He kind of needs to. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of needs to because he's ugly. He's hard to look at. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, I found out actually, and I tried so hard to research this. I found out there is a Gerber baby food plant in Michigan, but it's in Fremont, Michigan. Fremont, Michigan. Fremont, huh? Michigan. Well, he, he, that's not that's a little that's just a little car car drive jaunt from Detroit. I'm sure <laughs> it's it's a like six hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> he could make it. Yeah, his little Ford Tempo or Escort. Is Actually, that what it, no, it's it, a, it did look like a... It's a Ford Taurus. Taurus, I, I, yeah. Because yeah, I looked it up. I wanted to make a joke about how they're still driving 1994 Taurus or 1980s Ford Taurus in, uh-huh. in the 2100s. It wasn't super... I didn't realize it was supposed to be that far in the future. Wow. Yep. So, listener, if you want a, a reliable car, 1980s Ford Taurus. Kind of true. <laughs> I will say, though, sure, they're not very cool cars at all. Everybody knows what a Taurus looks like. Hit it with the flat black, though. It looked all right. It looked kind of mean, actually. It looked a lot better than whatever they used in 2000. That reminds me. So here's what I'm thinking. At some point, every so many episodes, I don't know how many, it needs to be enough to where we can build up a nice little catalog. Maybe we'll call it a season, the end of a season of GCU. I'd like to do mashup episodes to where we look back at the X amount of episodes we've done and then say, okay, now we get to pick and choose movies between those and come up with a cinematic universe for that episode. Right. Does that sound like something that'd be fun? Yeah. That way we could still like have fun and do a, a, a Terminator Robocop mashup if we wanted to. We just have to save it for the, the special episode. And, but also that gives it some stakes because then you're like, well, but you only get one or maybe two. Mm. Or we could take this cinematic universes that we established and then figure out how to mesh at least two of those together for a four movie universe. Right. That'd be cool. <laughs> um, because listener, honestly, it's hard to limit these to two movies and coming up with good double features. That would be fun to do is almost so easy that it's hard because we'll announce the next episodes movies here in a second, but I have flip flopped on them so many times, even like up to today. I'm still like, maybe, maybe we should, maybe we're going to record next episode tomorrow. And even today, I'm like, well, maybe we should switch it. Maybe we should switch it. It's so easy to come up with good ones that it makes it difficult to choose. You know what's bad, too, is talking about future episodes. I'm looking forward to October. <laughs> For some horror stuff? Yeah. With the, the one the big one we had planned. From the beginning, before yeah. we even recorded episode one. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm like looking 
extremely forward to it because uh-huh. that's almost like a four movie. It is. It's as close as as close as well we've gotten so far to a four movie without cheating. Yeah, I'm I'm Jack for October. <laughs> I do want to mention before we move too far, the RoboCop sequels are terrible. RoboCop two is terrible, and RoboCop three is worse. Not good. Judge Dredd. At least they waited a long time. They did a reboot, and nobody was crying over the fact that they're rebooting Judge Dredd because who cares? Right. Not because it's Judge Dredd, but because the first movie was as we described. But Judge Dredd is actually one of the few we've done so far where it isn't a long franchise. And that kind of complicates the most part we've just picked and choosed. Like Baywatch, we pulled from the extended, quote unquote, extended Baywatch universe. But for the most part, we limit it to the movie we're talking about. And if it works out for us, then we'll just ignore the rest of the franchise. Right. But it's so weird that there are so many movies where it's just like when we want to do a Judge Dredd or a Terminator or a Predator or almost any movie we've covered, the first question is, okay, which one? I mean, that's our podcast is kind of a comment on that. It's the cinematic universe. How we can we reboot and remake and combine these movies? But uh, it's weird that there's just every movie is just done over and over and over again. Right. So that brings me to the next episode's movies. The one actually hasn't been done again yet. So we're going to do The Thing, which is a remake, and there's also a prequel under the same title. We're going to do John Carpenter's The Thing, not the modern The Thing, which is a prequel to The Thing. And the reason we're doing The Thing is because Jasper made the mistake of saying he wanted to do some like classic horror movies, some good horror movies. And I was just like, oh, yeah? Yes? (laughs) The Thing is one of my, if it's not, I don't. Oh, man. It's one of my top, like, two favorite horror movies of all time. So The Thing, and then the movie that I flip-flopped back and forth on, but Mr. Matt D., loyal listener and frequent, what would you call it, feedbacker? <laughs> yeah. Frequent uh, letter, Feedback. email writer. Uh, I talked to I talk to Matt D. fairly regularly through email. He helped me decide on this one. Because he actually sent his pitch, unsolicited, not knowing we were doing The Thing, he sent his pitch for a The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China universe. So that's what we're going to do. We'll read his pitch as well when we do our pitch. I was going to say, we should read, we're gonna, read his pitch. When we it's do. good. His pitch is good. It might beat us. Two John Carpenter movies, two Kurt Russell movies. You know, it's it was hard for me to pass that up. That's what we're talking about next episode. I'm ready for that one. Because I, I really like that we're going to read his pitch. Yeah, me too. Somebody else's opinion. Me too. And I want to throw it out there. I, I guess I don't really promote, I don't promote a lot of the usual Grolix stuff on here, and I should. Letters at com. That's how you can email us or hit us up on Twitter at Podcast. If you've got a pitch, we might not necessarily cover those movies, but if you have a pitch for a random set of movies, we'll read it on the show. If you have a pitch for uh, movies, you know we're doing it. We'll definitely we'll read it on that episode if we, you know, unless we've recorded it already, because mm-hmm. uh, because like the main Grolic show, we record these ahead of time. But yeah, we'd love to hear your pitches, or if you've got great suggestions for double features, hit us with those too, because I like those. In fact, our last what two episodes were inspired. The last two episodes that we actually did, not not counting episode three, was inspired by a Matt D suggestion. He suggested Terminator. RoboCop and Universal Soldier. We didn't do that, but that inspired us to do a Terminator mashup with something and a RoboCop mashup with something. So, right. yeah, hit us up with some feedback. I w- I'd really love to get some pitches from people. I w- I like 
I want to read some pitches from people. That sounds fun. You know, it'd be kind of cool would be to have random pitches and then have do that live stream, read their pitches live stream. Oh, do a live stream with their mm-hmm. pitches. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I think that's a good idea too. All right. Well, I already give you contact information for Grolix podcast. Uh, so I'm Randall Sylvie. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Sylvie on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash Randall Sylvie podcaster. Of course, Grolix is facebook.com slash Grolix podcast on Instagram, throw Randall Sylvie or Grolix at the end and you'll, you'll be there. How about you? You can either get me on Twitter at, at Ninja Monkey Live, which is N-I-N-J-A-M-U-N-K-3-Y, uh, live. Live. <laughs> live. Or Instagram with the same name, at Ninja Monkey Live. Cool. Sorry. That's cool. A, cool. I'm cashing you out, Bob. Oh, my God. Just leave. <laughs> I can't say that. Just leave. Just leave. Oh, man. Anyway, let's do it. That's it. That's the show. No, don't do that. I have to edit that out and put the actual music. That's not going to work. Oh, yeah, we do actually have music. I put the actual actual music in there. Mm -hmm.